0: Remember what it felt like, reading through the divorce papers, first through my tears and then with this burning sensation in my stomach when I saw the section explaining the holidays that we'd have to split with the kids. How can I ever spend a Christmas away from my boys? I literally didn't think I could survive that. Sharing them on the weekends was hard enough. I've never spent a time near the holidays feeling so hopeless. It felt so dark and depressing and painful and permanent. And maybe that's you today. It's Christmas Eve, and the joy of the season is non-existent, and all hope seems lost for what used to be or what could be. Listen, Linda, I've been in that cold, dark place before, and although I cannot promise a certain outcome, I can show you how to hold on to hope In the middle of your broken marriage in the pieces in the night because hope himself has come and you can find hope in him so go grab your coffee and get ready because here we go this isn't a game of ding dong ditch and don't worry i'm not a solar panel salesman i'm just here to see you friend Whether you have spit up stains and cluttered counters, or you're still in your heels from work and just getting dinner started, take a minute and come sit with me. Welcome to The Jar Podcast with your host, Lydia, certified teacher, homeschool boy mom, oh Lord help me, and marriage ministry leader, bringing you tough lessons from my own journey to soul health and wholeness. Together each week, we'll discuss our struggles, pain, and shame. We'll combat labels and lies with biblical truth. And we'll work through our mess and come out stronger, more confident, and rooted in our identity in Christ. So move your pile of laundry over. Better yet, let me help you fold it while we talk. Thanks for letting me in. Now let's get real. I think that when you hear the word hopeless or hopelessness, Or when someone doesn't feel like there's any hope left, it feels really heavy and it feels maybe if you're not in that position, like you can't really relate. But I want to encourage you that even if you think your marriage is in a pretty good spot right now, that hopelessness can be tricky. I don't think it's a one size fits all. I think that feelings of hope kind of range on a scale and no matter where your marriage is, or what your marital status is, that we all need hope and we could all feel a bit more hopeful. So, a couple questions to kind of consider here. Do you hope that your marriage will be reconciled? That's a pretty big hope, right? Do you hope that your husband will come home if he's left? Do you hope for a better dynamic between the two of you? Do you hope for better communication? Do you hope that he'll treat you better? There's so many things that we can hope for within a marriage, or if you're not married yet, for what you think marriage will be, or the relationship that you're in. And if you've been married for any length of time, you realize that hope is really hard to hold on to, especially when people fail you, when you have failed yourself in your marriage, when sin is involved. Hope can be pretty elusive and really hard to get back. If I were sitting across from you in a coffee shop right now and I asked you the question, why have you given up hope? You'd probably say something like, well, because he'll never change. Or that he is just the way he is and that's not ever going to change. Or you're just the way you are and the two of you just don't get along anymore. Or there's just been too much damage done. There's too much to forgive. You just can't do it. I hear you. But this is where I would lean in over the table, over our cups of coffee, and I would probably tell you this hope is already here. It's a person, and he is trustworthy, and he will always provide hope. We just have to put our hope in the right thing. This is part four, the last one in this Advent series here on the podcast, where We are looking at and examining and discussing this picture of Eve and Mary. And there's just so much symbolism in this picture that you have to see it to really understand what we're talking about. So, it's over in my Facebook group. If you're not in it, head over to Facebook and search for Christian Wife and Marriage. Or you can click on it in the show notes. Or you can type it in. bit.ly forward slash Christian Wife and Marriage Community. The picture's pinned right there to the top. So go pull up the picture, join the group, find the picture, and take a look at it. Push pause here and really study the picture for just a minute. Look at their faces. Look at the way that Eve is looking. Not at Mary's eyes, but at Mary's womb. That's obviously holding baby Jesus. Look at Mary's face. Look at how she's looking right in Eve's eyes with a slight smile on her face. And someone in my Facebook group pointed out, because I asked the question, what in this picture is a symbol of hope? And what sort of symbolizes hopelessness? And somebody in there said that Mary stepping on the head of the snake is what speaks hope, the message of hope to her. And I love that because Jesus came to crush The head of the enemy and provide hope for us for eternity. And you know, of all people, Eve had every reason to feel hopeless, to feel like all hope was lost. She started the snowball of sin in the world. She and her husband were kicked out of this casual, comfortable communion with God and kicked out of the beautiful Garden of Eden into a desolate land their circumstance sure did seem hopeless. Another Bible story, Bible verse that comes to mind when I think of someone looking at their circumstances and feeling hopeless is the invalid that lay by the pool hoping that he could be healed by making it into this pool that would once in a while get stirred and he'd been there for 38 years. Pretty hopeless. Or even the woman who bled for 12 years. Doctors couldn't explain her condition, and she was struggling for that long. That's pretty hopeless. Or the woman at the well. She had been married, what, five times? And the man she was with wasn't her husband? That many relationships, that many broken relationships, and the fact that she wasn't at the well early in the morning with the other women and was by herself in the middle of the day, that's pretty hopeless. And Peter, walking on the water, suddenly overcome by looking around at his circumstance, realizing where, where he is and how in his own strength he is not able to withstand that and is overcome by that sense of hopelessness and doom until he called out to Jesus walking on the water to save him. The woman at the well was hopeless until she met Jesus face to face and he offered her living water. The woman who bled for 12 years, even though her situation was pretty hopeless, held on to just enough hope in who Jesus was that she pushed her way through the crowd, crawled her way through a crowd to touch just the hem of his garment to be healed. And of all the people in the Bible That seemed to have the worst luck (laughs) or the most hopeless case to me is Job. And yet, next to the book of Psalm, Job is the one that mentions the word hope the most out of any other book in the Bible. And so, today we're going to talk about how we, today, no matter what situation, no matter what circumstance, no matter what. The state of our marriage is or status, and how hopeless it all feels. We have access to hope Himself, the person, Jesus, who came to offer us hope. But before we dive into that, I want to quickly interrupt to remind you guys that next Saturday, New Year's Eve, is a super special live episode in the Facebook group where we are celebrating. The 100th episode. You are invited to join me to hear more about my own personal redemption story and really a really special full circle moment from what happened on New Year's Eve seven years ago and where I was in a state of absolute hopelessness. We'll get to interact in the comments together. And Then we're going to spend some time setting some goals for the new year, for our walks with the Lord, for our marriages, and our relationships, and what we really want in order to heal. We're going to talk about some of the most listened-to episodes, and then we're also going to have some giveaways. We're going to be giving away some Wed Into War books, which I gave some of those away before on Alive and they're so good. Um, My friend Jules and Tyson Morlett, they wrote the book and it's just this incredible message of God's intention from the beginning of time for marriage and how Satan is at war against it and what we can do to fight back. Not only that, I'll be giving away some gift cards to Daily Grace Co., one of my favorite websites to order things from, from devotionals, to some Bible study tools, and you can be entered to win one of these giveaways by simply leaving a review for the podcast. There are listeners in over 75 countries across all six continents, from Iran to Japan to Nigeria and even tiny country Bahrain. I'm just blown away by how far this podcast has reached, and it's because of your reviews. When you leave a review on Apple Podcasts, it boosts the visibility and the searchability of other wives around the world finding it and getting the same message of hope and healing. And so every single review matters. So if you just take a moment and if you go to the show in Apple Podcasts and just scroll to the bottom where it says write a review, you can click on five stars, click on write a review Type up what this has meant to you or one of your favorite episodes. And then take a quick screenshot because in the Facebook group, all you got to do is pop the screenshot into the comments and you're entered into the giveaway. So I hope that you take just a couple minutes to help spread the word and then also get entered into a super fun giveaway. Make sure to join me live next Saturday so that you can win if your name is drawn I'm so excited for it, but I'm also kind of nervous because I'm going to get real vulnerable and share a lot with you all, so you might want to be there for it. It's going to be kind of special, and I'm just thankful for all of you for listening through 100 episodes, and I just want to say thank you at this special live episode with these giveaways. Okay. Back to the heavier topic of feeling hopeless, feeling like there is no more hope. And like I mentioned earlier, after Psalms, Job is the book of the Bible that mentions the word hope the most. I think it's about 19 times. Why would someone who probably suffered more than any other person in the Bible for at least that length of time for seemingly no reason, next to Christ. When one man's life seemed that void of hope, why would hope be mentioned that many times? Does he end up finding the hope that he's looking for? He does. It's not necessarily in getting back everything that was lost, although that does happen and God did restore that. But Job finds hope in just knowing God. In just trusting his character. Not in, he doesn't even find hope in the encouragement, quote-unquote, that his three friends are trying to give him throughout his sickness. He doesn't find hope in anything around him, in his circumstances. He doesn't find hope in himself, in his own resiliency or his own strength. In fact, in chapter 13, verse 15, he says, Though he slay me, yet will I hope in him. Even though God is allowing this suffering and this feeling of hopelessness to come against him, yet he will put his hope in him? Like it doesn't even really make sense. Picture yourself being in his shoes. Even though God allowed divorce or separation or death of a loved one, Or whatever the circumstance is, and sometimes those circumstances are caused by our own sin, and it's not simply God allowing an affliction to come to test you and try you. Some of it is consequence. But regardless, does that change who God is? Does the fact that this sin that you committed, or that your spouse committed against you, or this loss that you're experiencing, does any of that or the reason behind it, alter the character of God? No, it doesn't. He is still who he was and is and is to come. And he's trustworthy. He is not changing. He's always been. And there that alone gives us hope. So let me pause here and give you a couple definitions. Um, in the dictionary, hope is... The feeling that what is wanted can be had or that events will turn out for the best. Another one said to look forward to with desire and reasonable confidence. And the third one said to believe, desire, or to trust. Now, I think there is a worldly definition of hope and a biblical definition of hope. Because I don't think that... To look forward to with desire and reasonable confidence is really a biblical definition. I would say that it's with biblical confidence. It's with knowing your creator and trusting him that hope is found. Because if he is hope himself and hope has come to earth in the form of Jesus coming as a baby and then he died and rose again for us, Hope himself is who we put this trust in, is who we are desiring, is who we are believing. And then it really comes down to what do we really want? What is our deepest desire? Is it to communicate better with our husbands or to walk in communion with God? And initially we may think it is the relationships here around us that it is our circumstances, that we want those to be good, right? That's not a bad thing. But what do we want more? Another person that I think of that had every reason to feel hopeless is Naomi in the book of Ruth. She lost her husband, her two sons, her home. She had nowhere to go. She left her homeland. And she just had one of her daughter-in-laws go with her. The other one bailed. And she was pretty bitter, and I think I would be too. And I'm sure that you can think of an experience that you have walked through or that you're in right now that bitterness seems like a pretty proper response, that anger feels right, that loneliness and hurt and pain is justified, and that there is no reason for hope. Hope is lost. But I would challenge you. From one who's been in that position, is hope lost or are you hoping in the wrong thing? Is hope really lost or do you just not know hope himself very well? Hey, if you've made it this far in the episode, don't bail now just because I stepped on your toes. <laughs> Trust me, I'm coming from a place of love. Proverbs thirteen twelve says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. If you're feeling pretty sick, pretty tired, pretty worn down, that may be an indication of hopelessness. I have been there. I have been to the point of losing so much weight that it was unhealthy because my hope was deferred. My hope was in reconciling my marriage and fixing it and trying to remedy our situation, my sin, his sin. Our separation and the impact it was having on our kids and all the chaos it was causing. I was trying to fix it myself and I was putting hope in my abilities. I was putting hope in him changing, me changing, and I was probably even putting hope in counseling and our friends that were trying to help us. And again, not bad things, but not the ultimate thing. I needed to grow closer to hope himself, to Jesus Christ who came to give me hope. And I was distracted. I was distracted from life circumstances, from changes that happen when you go through a separation, like where to live and what money you have and the emotional well-being of your children and your own emotional and mental health and just all the things that you do have to spend time thinking about, but it was distracting me for a while from spending time in the word, from really praying and asking God to fill me with hope. Because like Peter, it's when my eyes were not fixed on Jesus that I lost hope. It's when I decided to look right at him, spend time with him at his feet, And really just focus on who he is and his character. And I would look up in the concordance in the back of my Bible. I would just read scripture and just be amazed at who he is. That whatever was going on in my life, it was heavy and it was real and it was still very much present, but it didn't feel so hopeless anymore. I got to a place of feeling like, you know what? Even if I have to check the box on paperwork that says single, I have hope. Even if my boys have to be in a split household, I have hope. Even if I have to reconcile and work through the issues in our marriage, that's not easy, y'all. I had hope. So if you're finding yourself in this place of you don't even want to get up and celebrate Christmas, which is tomorrow. You don't feel very joyful. You don't feel very hopeful. You feel pretty far from God. You feel pretty angry. At him, actually. You just feel like the life is being sucked out of you because of your circumstances. I would challenge you first to evaluate your relationship with the Lord. Where are you with him? Do you know him? Are you walking closely with him? And then, secondly, I would ask you to look at the distractions. What is distracting you from hope? Are you putting your hope in the wrong thing in a circumstance, in your situation, in a person? other than God. Because if you have to cross your fingers and hope that something's going to happen like you do when a kicker is about to kick the football and you just hope that he makes the field goal or it's the bottom of the ninth inning, full count, and you just are hoping that the pitcher is going to pitch a strike. Or if sports analogies don't work for you, (laughs) if you just hope that when your husband walks in the door, you don't feel bitterness towards him, you may be putting your hope in the wrong thing either that or just not having the full assurance of hope that it says in hebrews this kind of hope is a hope that is confident or like that new word that's kind of a buzzword going around called godfident confident in god God godfident hope that has moral certainty it's not finger-crossing hope It's a hope and faith kind of combined. Later on in the verse that talks about having a full assurance of hope, it says that the result of that pursuit of hope is that you will be like those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. So hope is kind of like the starting point and faith is what keeps you going. Hope and pursuing it, knowing God's character and knowing that He has made these promises of a plan to give you hope in the future, promises of eternal salvation when we put our faith in Him, hope of forgiveness from our sins. All of those things are things that we can hope for because it's who He is. He is love, He is forgiving. They're characteristics of Him. And that's what we can put our hope in this Christmas. Even if the relationships that you are in right now don't feel very hopeful. Even if they end. Even if they reconcile. No matter what happens, you can experience hope this Christmas by spending time with the Lord, focusing on His character and what He came to this earth for. Let go of the distractions, even of status in the state of your marriage right now, if things are feeling weird between you and your husband, or he hasn't been very nice, or you've been feeling really bitter, stop thinking about that for just a little bit. Open your Bible, and a great place to start there is in your concordance. I went to one of my older Bibles that's all marked up with highlighters and notes in the margins, and I went to the concordance in the back and I looked up the word hope, and I just read through not every single verse, but a lot of them, and I was just reminded in preparing for this message how much hope I have and how much hope I found in a really dark time. Because when I flipped to those verses to read them, I had highlighted and made some notes in the margins that I had made during that time. And so I hope that this Christmas, you are able to say, no matter what your circumstances, like Job said, yet will I hope in him? Merry Christmas. Loads of love, Lydia. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse 15. All this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. I'll see you next Saturday, same time, same place.